Hey, Fire fans, this is Nick with our fourth episode of the Feed the Fire podcast. Welcome back, where we are discussing all things Chicago Fire and Major League Soccer. It is a beautiful Monday night, February 27th, so hopefully this news is still fresh for everyone in Chicago Fireland and for everyone who is tuning in to all the MLS action. MLS is back. I am excited that the league is kicked off again. I was at the Nashville, New York City game. It was a blast. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Heck, I could do an entire podcast episode about it. But before I get ahead of myself tonight, let me set it up here for you. We have a programming announcement. We nailed our first sponsor here, and we're going to give you the details about that shortly. We're going to talk about the new signing for the Chicago Fire, the opening weekend matches, as well as a new feature from a special friend of the show, our very own John Donovan, and then we will wrap up with our Eastern Conference picks. I think after one weekend, uh, they're still going to stand. Nothing crazy happened over the weekend that makes me want to all of a sudden change everything uh, that I had initially wrote down last week. Uh, but okay, fine. You want to call me one of those Johnny Come Latelys? You want to call me one of those guys that has to wait and see? Fine. Whatever. You're entitled to your opinions. But as I mentioned, we were able to lock down our very first sponsor of the podcast just four episodes into it. We are excited here at Feed the Fire to welcome Skira Icelandic Spring Water as our first sponsor. And yeah, I guess it is kind of funny that a uh, water company is sponsoring a podcast about the fire. Um, but I can assure you that they are not going to try to douse the flames of anything that we do here. That Skira Icelandic Spring Water is going to be a proud supporter of the show, of the podcast, of everything we do here on Feed the Fire, as well as Glasshouse Soccer. So please make sure you get out to your local 7-Eleven, buy a bottle or two or three or four, depending on how thirsty you get when you're working out, when you're trying to douse your your thirst, quench your thirst. When you're watching these Chicago Fire games and getting all worked up, grab a bottle of Icelandic spring water, uh, Skira Icelandic spring water. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. And again, it's available at your local 7-Eleven, so get out there and grab a bottle. Now, back to the Chicago Fire Talk, the new signing. I'm sure you've heard about it by now, and I'm sure you know the name. If you know anything about Major League Soccer, then you know who is Kai Kamara. That's right, Kai Kamara, the third leading goal scorer in Major League Soccer history, is now part of the Chicago Fire, just adding to that growing list of teams that he's played for. I think someone said he's on his 13th team now, if not, if not the 10th, 11th, 12th team, but yeah. He has gotten around the MLS block, but he has scored goals everywhere he has been. Um, let's look at the terms of the deal real quick, right? Montreal is getting 250000 in general allocation money in GAM over the next two seasons from the fire. There are performance incentives that could increase this another 150000 in GAM, assuming he probably gets starts and goals and things like that, right? Um, and, and this that was a good bit of business from the fire because as much as everyone's like, oh, it's Kai, he's the scorer, right? He actually has not scored double-digit goals since 2019, which I would say is his last fully healthy season, right? He 
played in 34 games last season with Montreal, but only started 14. He may be called upon by the Chicago Fire to start a lot more than just 14 games, depending on Shabilko's form, depending on if they sign that Greek striker eventually, if they get Yorgos Kutsias to finally get pen to paper, get that deal across the line. Um, if Victor Bezerra doesn't get any more playing time than he did last year, they're going to call on Kai to start a lot of games, to play a lot of minutes. And he's he's going to have to produce if Chicago has any sort of chance of making the playoffs this year. And I'm not confident in it. And I'm not trying to, to, to be a hater on Kai Kamara because there are so many people out there who just will constantly put him down. But I'm looking at a guy who hasn't scored double-digit goals in the last three seasons, four seasons, right, who hasn't been probably fully fit since 2019, who has now bounced to another conference. Uh, nope, sorry, Montreal is in the Eastern Conference. But bounced to another city, moved to another country. I don't know where his family's at, if that's going to be an easy adjustment for him or not. He's coming in like the starting weekend, right? The fire had to buy the first weekend. So it's going to take him some time to kind of work in with his teammates here. Now, is Jordan Shakiri and Brian Gutierrez good enough to just start feeding him balls and sending him, you know, all those great assists and, and expected assists and key passes, pick a metric, whatever you want to call them, right? Are they going to be able to just very, very calmly and fluidly and naturally be sending him uh, the, these great passes to his feet, to the space? Or is he going to be more of an aerial threat? We know that he can get up and we can know he is a threat on set pieces. So we'll see how he integrates. We'll see if he stays fit. We'll see if his legs give out. I think I saw he's 38 years old at this point, right? So there's a lot that is on the negative side of Kai having another double-digit goal-scoring season. But let's say he does. Let's say he bags 10, 12, even 14 goals. 14, which he scored in the 2019 season, his most recent best season so he gets 14 goals fantastic where are the other 50 60 goals going to come from this season that the fire are going to need to score if they're going to want to compete for a playoff spot right is it going to come from any of that aforementioned list of strikers well we've seen shabilko not do it last year uh we we haven't seen coach ezra hendrickson have faith in victor bezerra to put him in real first team minutes yet so what's going to happen next right who knows? So I, I'm excited for Kai, but this was a desperation move by the Chicago Fire. Uh, but they're a desperate team, so these are the kind of things that they do. Um, hopefully they can get Yorgos Kutsia signed and over here to Chicago as soon as possible. Now, that being said with the Chicago Fire, let's take a quick look at the opening weekend of MLS. What stood out to me? I'm not going to run down the scores. You can Go find that on any website or article or blog or whatever it is you want. You can find it on Twitter. I'm not going to run down the scores, but I'm going to say the three, four things that stood out to me. The first, Tiago Almada of Atlanta seems to have taken a lot of that World Cup swagger, that trophy-winning, best squad in the world swagger, and brought it back to Atlanta because he had two stoppage time goals to rock the quakes uh, beating San Jose 2-1, to one, stealing victory from the jaws of defeat, as they say. And they, these weren't just, like, scrappy scrum type of endgame goals. These were bangers. He lit up the highlight reels doing this. Make sure you go find those highlights over at MLSsoccer.com and watch Tiago Amada. 
Um, he's definitely helping his cause to be sold to a major club after winning the World Cup and after this opening match. So uh, maybe a little bit of business coming from Atlanta in the summer transfer window. We will see. The other couple things that stood out to me, uh, Philadelphia and Seattle's results. They both scored four goals this opening weekend. Philly beating the crew 4-1 and Seattle beating the Colorado Rapids 4-0. Now, they were supposed to have a bit of a bounce back year this year after two years ago winning the Western Conference. So hopefully this is not a sign of things to come for the Rapids. I have not been high on the Rapids probably in the last five, six years. I am... I, I just don't see it. I don't see the coaching. I don't see the talent and I don't see the signings. So, or the, the talent developed as well as any of the international signings, right. Or, or even the signings within the league that just kind of bolster an average roster. Right. Um, I, I don't see it. I'm not trying to, to get down on Colorado here, uh, but prove, prove me wrong. Right. That year they won the Western conference two seasons ago. Um, it came down to a fluky referee call on decision day and had one other result gone a different way or had that fluky call gone a goal, I think they would have dropped from like first to fourth or fifth in, in the Western Conference. But somehow everything was perfectly aligned for them to win the Western Conference, uh, and they did nothing with it. So I, I am not sold on Colorado, and I think this is pretty indicative that the Seattle Sounders come back and, and just hang four goals on them. Uh, meanwhile, Philly picking up where they left off last season, four to one victory. Columbus needing more offense. I thought their defense would be a little shaky this year just because of some of the movement of players, um, but I didn't expect four goals on opening day bad. The other thing, St. Louis's insane comeback, how they, again, come back and win this game three to two is beyond me. Go find the highlight reel. St. Louis, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, and I'm teasing a little bit of my Eastern Conference picks here, um, but they are going to keep things exciting. Must watch soccer, absolutely. And uh, I'll give an honorable mention to that DCTFC game because there were five goals in that game, all of them fantastic goals, a lot of fun to watch. What else stood out to me this opening weekend was Nashville NYCFC. I was at the game, took my family down to Nashville for the weekend. My wife wanted to go get away for a weekend. Nashville is a fun city. We could eat our way around the city, enjoying some great Southern home cooking. And I said, you know, honey, uh, the, the weekend of the, the 25th sounds like a, a good time. We should go that day. Oh, and by the way, let's get tickets to the NYCFC uh, at Nashville game. And it was a lot of fun. Geodas Park is a cool stadium. Um, not too much to do inside the stadium once you get in, but I guess that's why you have the soccer game, right? You're there to watch the game. Um, but the pregame festivities, festivities were cool. Clear lines of sight throughout the whole stadium. There's still a lot of construction going on, so it'll be even better when the whole kind of complex is built. My one criticism of Geodas Park is the parking. Uh, had it not been for all the rain that happened this past weekend, I, maybe I'd have a different story here. Um, but we could not buy any parking passes um, unless you had pre-purchased them like prior to the Thursday before because the rain has kind of washed out all the fields and they didn't want any cars there. So, okay, fine, whatever. We take an Uber. Well, on the way back after the game, the there was so few communication between – um, the Nashville police and the Geodas Park security or management that the police were closing down roads that were the access points into the rideshare lanes and the rideshare uh, lanes had to then be pushed out into the main intersection and it was just a mess. Um, I think the game ended around 6.15, 6 o'clock-ish. Our, our Uber didn't show up until 7 o'clock. Some of the stadium workers 
left before we did. That's how terrible the traffic was post game. So um, if you are going to ride share, make sure you got a quick exit plan um, or get your parking passes real early. I'll tell you that. But hopefully they can fix it up. I had some good conversations with some of the uh, Nashville police about uh, what they're what they're doing to improve communications with Geotis. And, uh, you know, they're noting everyone's complaints. So hopefully that's something that gets worked out and everyone can have a great game day experience. But, man, what a game it was. I, I'm telling my children who are with me, right, my eight, six, and four-year-old kids, I'm like, guys, you just watched USMNT starting center back Walker Zimmerman score the opening goal of the season. And you also see Hani Mukhtar come in in the 72nd, 73rd minute, I want to say, and then immediately produce. Classic Hani Mukhtar gets the ball just inside his own half and takes off and just pulls four defenders on him as he gets to the edge of the 18. The goalkeeper's cutting down his shooting angle, and he just calmly slides the ball over to an onrushing Jacob Schaffelberg who just slots it in cool as ice and that ice is the game to nothing for Nashville. It was fantastic. The only thing I wish I could have seen was Dax McCarty get into that match, but we got to see him warming up on the sideline, just a few rows in front of us, which was cool. So awesome way to start the season being at Nashville, hosting NYCFC, seeing Nashville with the win, seeing their stars do their thing. There's some great saves by Joel Willis too. That man kept, Nashville in the game early by not allowing a couple easy shots uh, and a couple of great opportunities by New York City uh, to go in the net early on in that first half. Um, New York City's got question marks. They've got question marks. But you're going to hear about that a little bit from our guest, John Donovan, our special feature. Uh, He's going to be with us each and every week talking soccer, talking Chicago Fire, recapping games, previewing the next matches. Um, A little bit about John. He played professional soccer in Venezuela in the 70s and a few seasons under his belt in Venezuela. No easy task for an American to go into South America at any point in history, regardless of whether or not they're playing soccer, right, for any reason whatsoever. But he went down to Venezuela, played professionally for, I want to say, three seasons. John, correct me if I'm wrong in the next episode. Um, But he has been a lifelong proponent of the sport of soccer, of the game of football. And uh, after his playing days, he's made his way back to the States, Uh, went into business, has been extremely successful in his business, founding multiple companies in the Chicago area, multiple successful and thriving companies. Uh, And now he's going to spend part of his week, each and every week, with us discussing the Chicago Fire via the podcast. Now, programming update here, everybody. This is a special podcast feature. So if you're watching on YouTube or any other platform, Jump on over to where you get your podcast, subscribe so you can hear John Donovan's takes each and every week with a little extra insight from someone who used to play professionally himself. For everyone on YouTube, we are going to roll right into our final Eastern Conference Picks segment. So with that, I'll take a short pause here so we can splice in the podcast audio. Nick, John Donovan here. I'm so happy to be back with your podcast, Feed the Fire I can't think of anything I'd rather do. It's been a long winter without the MLS. I've been thinking about uh, the Chicago Fire and what they're going to do. And what what they've done is wait until the end of this, the uh, the preseason to make any moves. It's kind of mysterious. There was uh, word about them transferring for a Greek center forward. But uh, lo and behold, it's typical Fire. Nothing on their webpage. So... We're not going to talk about that. What they did do today 
is they picked up Kai Kamara, who has played all over the world, all over the MLS. He's played in Africa. The guy is an amazing athlete. Um, whether he still has it, we will find out. But uh, they still have, apparently they still have that open uh, DP slot that they have not been able to fill. Um, I, I thought it was done with this Greek player, but uh, apparently didn't make it. Now, on this year... Nick and audience, what the fire just have to do. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, buts. They've had 13 years of almost no playoffs. And this year it's gotten a little bit easier um, to get in the playoffs. But again, it's pro football or pro soccer and uh, you never know what's going to happen. Yesterday's games I thought were brilliant. I really enjoyed watching the league play, get back. But the Chicago fire, in order to to get themselves in a position where the fans start to come back in the stadiums is Ezra has to start coaching this squad. Um, last year between, um, I thought he lost control of the team, all of the yellow cards, all of the red cards. Um, it just, he didn't have the squad to do that. And he wasn't able to control the, the team on the field. And with, with the limited talent he had last year, um, he couldn't, uh, it, it really was decisive in the team not making, not making the fire. Um, the second thing he has to do, he has to play players in positions that they've been successful in. You can't take a guy and, and put him to a wing position that has never played wing in his life. You got to play the guys in the positions that they've been good at. It, uh, I kind of laughed to myself one guy, one day somebody said, it's like putting, Yogi Berra. Now, probably a lot of you don't know who Yogi Berra, but he was a great catcher for the Yankees on the mound and make him a pitcher. It just doesn't work. And like Shakiri, he's a winger. He played wing for Switzerland. He played wing in the uh, um, in England. He played wing in France. Uh, he played a wing in Switzerland. So why do we put him at a midfield position? It's not his spot. So Ezra has to play these guys where they've where they've been experienced at. Torres and Gutierrez should both be in the middle. Gutierrez plays for the U.S. under-20 team as a center midfielder. Uh, Torres played for Atlas as a center midfielder. Where did we put him? We put him out on the right wing. How many goals did we get out of that position last year? None. So we have to improve on that. Um, Kasper Shabilko obviously is going to be the starter. Last year, he didn't have the feeding, that uh, the passing that he needed that he got from the Philadelphia squad. Without that, Kasper or almost any center forward is not going to be uh, too productive. Mueller on the left side, I just love the way he came into the season last year. He He was a breath of fresh air, and we should see him at his best this year. He didn't, uh, last year he came from uh, a season in Scotland. And so he was worn out by the time he got to our squad. But those are, um, you know, the third thing that Ezra has to do. The first was the coaching, control the field. The second was playing players in the positions that they played in. And the third is Ezra just has to be able to utilize his bench better than he did last year. There were some obvious players that didn't belong in the MLS, much less on a struggling squad. And he kept using those players again and again and again. 
If a guy can't perform at that level, at the MLS level, he's got to go to that second team and not be brought out as an option for Ezra. A great example of that last year was Offer and Espinosa, both of them. Um, spent a lot of time, a lot of dead time on the field. In fact, Espinosa was responsible, I believe, for the loss against Omaha. And Ezra kept playing him and playing him. So once a guy has played himself off the squad, he should be off the squad and brought up, bring up another homegrown player, which there was a lot that didn't get time last year. So what are the strengths of the fire? And I thought about this and Really, the strengths are right in their fullbacks. They have three, I think, um, they have one outstanding fullback, and that is Carlos Terran. I, uh, he's a beast, a monster. He can run him down. He, he, is, he, he just is a defensive whirlwind. Um, I don't know what I would have done if I ever had to play against him. Um, and Olmsberg, I thought he had a brilliant season, a Dartmouth graduate, Smart, tough. He had a bad break uh, with his Achilles heel last year. Uh, and then we have the guy, um, Schiesel's from, can never say that word correctly, from Germany. Smart, but I, you know, he's a year older. He had leg problems over in Germany. He started to develop in the, at the end of next of last year. So hopefully with our two young, Terran and Olmsberg, we've got two guys that if they play up to their level, um, we are going to have some really good fullbacks. Um, on the fullback wings, um, Navarro, Miguel Navarro, I did not think he had a great season last year. Between red cards, um, being out for the virus, being suspended, um, he only played about half the games. And in the games he played, he wasn't that strong. He had no goals. Um, fairly good with his left foot, but it just he just is not the guy that te this team is going to win with. I'd like to see the I'd like to see this gentleman uh, Dean come in and see what he can do. He was a good player for Birmingham in the uh, USL. Like to see him get a, a shot at that right side or left side fullback. They brought in a guy from France. Um and I have a rough time saying his name. Um Armand um Suquet. I believe, um, 31 years old, has a lot of time playing right right fullback. We'll just have to see. Um, they, they spent a lot of money on that position last year, and I don't think they got a lot out of it. But um, I think the, the back line for the fire is respectable for the league. Now, the midfield, the defensive midfield, Jimenez and Federico Navarro, I mean, it's interesting that Jimenez played offensive midfield in Argentina. He's got the skill. Um, you can see he's not a hustler on the field. He he had a couple of goals scored against him last year before his injury that he just didn't get back on. Navarro gets back. Navarro is a whirlwind out there on the field. He gets the ball. He scored a couple of times last year. Um, he's a benefit for the squad. But when you move up into the, uh, the offensive midfield, you know, last year, Ezra used Shakiri up there, and I he just did not have a great season. He had three or four from the field goals, and I three three or four penalty kicks. So for eight point two million dollars, four goals. I mean that is not kicking it. Um, the team did better when they had Brian Gutierrez, who plays for the U.S. under twenty team as a center midfielder. Um, 
he did very well back there. So if Ezra is sharp, he moves Shakiri out to wing or left wing. But we'll have to see. I, I him and Hi, or Ezra and Hines, I think uh, they've got a pension of, of thinking guys can play positions that they really can't play. So and then on the forward line, you got to think that Casper Shabilko will be starting um, with. Uh, either Torres, Gutierrez. If it goes like last year, I hope it doesn't. On the wing, and then Mueller on the on the left side or the left wing, who is a great player. I really love the fact that he's from Chicago. In fact, he's he played for the Soccers, which is a DuPage or Western Illinois squad. Um, I think he went to Wisconsin. He's really a a great exhibition of U.S. players. Uh, Hopefully he gets a shot at the U.S. team this year. I, I would love to see him uh, get that that shot. Now, who do they have coming off the bench this year? Well, new guys. I mean, they, they didn't. Uh, Dean would be one of them from the USL squad. And then another guy that they picked up was this, um, a guy by the name of Haile Selassie, who is Swiss, but originally he's from Ethiopia. And um, I don't see what they saw in him. I've, I've seen him play a couple of times on YouTube. He had one goal in Switzerland. So I don't know what they see in him. We will have to see. They brought back Herbers again, who had um, hip problems last year and leg problems. He, he's a valuable guy. He can play a lot of positions. He runs hard. You know, you're going to get a lot of time out of him. Um, Pineda who I really like. He's a Western Illinois guy, Tommy, also. I think he's from Bensonville. Played for North Carolina. Very smart. Um, I would consider starting him over uh, um, over Jimenez. I mean, he's smart. He's tough. He can also play fullback. Very smart player. I'd love to see him get a shot. But the team this year, I mean, we open up against New York, who did not have a good game against Nashville. Nashville really ran them down. Um, they New York has gone through a lot of changes. A lot of guys retired or transferred into other teams. It's a different team, um, the New York squad. So they lost 2 nothing against Nashville. Is the fire as good as Nashville? Don't Can't say. It's the start of the season. But it is a chance the fire go and play against Philly the next game. And Philly is Lights out, good, tough. I mean, they really got a lot of good players playing for them. But um, so this is their chance. That New York game is a chance to get a win or at least a tie moving into the Philly game. So good luck, Fire. Um, love being back on the podcast. Uh, Nick, thanks a lot for giving me a shot at this. I'll be around every game that I'm able to do. Take care, everybody. Bye. And now we will roll right into our Eastern Conference picks. Thanks again, John, for your weekly segment. We're going to be looking forward to it each and every week. Now, Eastern Conference picks. I'm going to kind of do this from the fire perspective because that's the podcast, Feed the Fire. We'll see how they stack up to the competition. Um, but the problem is, in doing so, we're going to realize that the Chicago Fire have done not much to nothing this offseason. Meanwhile, every other team in the Eastern Conference has improved their roster and their management. And then, oh yeah, Nashville joined the Eastern Conference. With St. Louis coming in as an expansion franchise, St. Louis goes to the West, and now Nashville comes back to the East, and here we are. 
Um, and I think I mirrored my hand gestures on the YouTube video. So uh, I apologize if I'm saying to the West and moving to the right. Anyway, I'll figure out this mirrored camera thing eventually, guys. So I think the Fire have been making a lot of short-term signings. We talked about that in past episodes. And honestly, if they get some really good offers, I could see them selling Brian Gutierrez and, and Carlos Tehran. Uh, as well as anyone else who's overperforming at this point, which would mean they're only going to fall further down the standings. Though where I have them, not much far to fall. Not very far to fall. Uh, but looking at the picks, there's only really kind of two teams that stand out as like Eastern Conference favorites as it stands week one, and that would be uh, Cincinnati and Philadelphia. And I've got Philadelphia one, Cincinnati two. Cincinnati brings back their same core. Uh of great players, Brenner, Acosta, Vasquez. Um, Silentano's got another year of experience under his belt in goal. Got to give a plug to the Chicago land native, Naperville, Illinois, Roman Celentano, um, Indiana University grad, two Midwest guys. So got to plug the local kids, absolutely. Um, but, but they are going to probably pick up where they left off uh, despite the first, uh, and I think they, they got the win this first week. It's escaping me right now. Um, but I see Cincy picking up where they left off, and I see Philly picking up where they left off, which was, you know, a, a, like a historic season in MLS despite the lack of trophies. Um, so they're my one and two, Philly, Cincy, one and two. Now we've got the new playoff format, and we're going to hit that up in the next episode where now nine teams are going to make the playoffs. One through seven are in, eight and nine are in a wild card. So here are my, you know, three through nine picks to make the playoffs then Nashville Red Bulls and New York city, Columbus, Atlanta, Orlando, and Toronto. I'll give TFC. I'll give the Reds the nod. And as, as a kind of a sign of respect to my, my good friend and former partner, Mike, and as well as a good friend of mine, Jay Jardine, who is out there uh, in Toronto. So I'll give you guys the, the nine spot. I'll like to see that Orlando Toronto wildcard game go on there. Um, but I just don't see these last, uh, six teams, New England, Miami, D.C., Charlotte, Montreal, Chicago, uh, and St. Louis, really really being able to jump up and step up their game you know, to get into that top five spot, let alone get into, push into that nine. But, hey, Orlando, Toronto, Atlanta, New England, Miami could all be a jumbled mess. We'll see how things shake out, but that's how I have it. So to review my picks, Philly, Cincy, Nashville, Red Bulls, New York, Columbus, Atlanta, Orlando, Toronto, New England, Miami, D.C., Charlotte, Montreal, Chicago, and St. Louis. And really, St. Louis is such a wild card. I think people are just putting them at the bottom of the conference by default. So we'll see what they end up doing uh, this season. Now, John Donovan also sent me his picks, and, and we're not too far off on some of these. So he's got Philly top the East, great system, great coach, he says. Nashville in second. I'm not as high as he is on Nashville just because they uh, they rely so much on Hani Mukhtar, but I did have him on third, in third. So I, I think they're going to do really well, and maybe it was the bias of going to the game that has me having him up in, in that three spot. He's got Columbus in his three spot, followed by Atlanta, Toronto, and Cincinnati. New York, Miami, and New England round out John's uh, playoff picks there. He's got uh, his comments, though, about Miami, it's interesting. He's got them in the eighth spot, and his comments to me were just Martinez and Messi. So he thinks Messi's coming to the league. He thinks Lionel Messi and Joseph Martinez are going to be a great pair and are going to keep Miami in the playoffs. Um, 
great thinking, John, but there's been so much about Messi over the last several years that I'm not going to believe it, not going to get my hopes up, not going to care about it until the deal is actually announced and ink is dry on the contract. Just missing the playoffs in John's picks. He's got Red Bulls at 10, though he does say he's not confident in that pick and says, hey, with the right signings this, this summer transfer, Red Bull could win the league. So he's he's kind of flip-flopping there on the Red Bulls, I guess. Um, he has Orlando 11, Montreal 12, and Charlotte 13, but also says, you know, or Orlando and Charlotte he's not too confident on. He could see them making a, a higher finish than what he's predicted. He says Orlando just makes the playoffs, and Charlotte, as long as that midfield and defense can hold up, they can do better. Um, he does not like Montreal, though. Uh, he does not like their coach, does not like Hernan Mosada, says he is not a good locker room guy, and it's going to ruin that team. Uh, John has Chicago in the 14th spot for all the reasons we have been talking about, and then St. Louis in the 15th spot just because there's too many unknowns there. So those are our picks. Again, we're all – I think everyone who watches MLS, who cares, who knows anything about the league, has got Philly, Cincy pretty high – as well as you start to get into that Nashville, Red Bull, Columbus, Atlanta, depending on how uh, Atlanta's signings and returning from injury players do. And then you have the same kind of bottom picks, right? Chicago, St. Louis, uh, Montreal, Charlotte, all down there on the bottom. So that is the Eastern Conference as we view it. All right, well, we are... Uh, well past the 20-minute mark that I try to keep our episodes to, but there was a lot to talk about this opening weekend, and I'm happy to share some of my experiences with everyone out here. Um, with that, I want to thank you all. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on email at glasshousesoccer at gmail.com or on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at glasshousesoccer. Like, subscribe, do everything you need to do to follow along with us, and with that, my friends and fire fans, we will see you in the next episode.